Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. Way through the congregation, we have just a simple handout for you today uh, for you to take some notes of that which you think is important. And uh, I want to thank those who are joined us by live stream. Uh, good morning to you. I wish you could see the tremendous attendance we have today. I cannot imagine what next Sunday is going to be like. When you look at what happened today, we got a little taste of heaven, and our choir's been preparing for weeks for next Sunday. It's going to be spectacular, and I cannot wait for next Sunday to arrive. It does seem that whenever we observe the Lord's Supper, the Spirit is a little sweeter in church. I don't know if that means that most of us have prepared and prayed, and and we're we're in a better place when we come to church, but I just want to say, this has been outstanding. I have a very difficult task, and that is is to equal the energy and uh, of that which has happened, and and with God's help, we will try to do that. There are several families visiting with us. I see several folks that I do not know. I'm Pastor Armstrong, privileged to serve as the pastor here, and and I'm just say I'm delighted that you are here, and thank you for being here today. And I trust that you've already received a warm welcome, and that you will allow the preaching of God's word now to stir up uh, within your own soul and uh, and be and be taught a lesson today. I have worked really hard on this morning's title for my message. I've entitled this morning's message, The Lord's Supper. (laughs) Turn in your Bibles and go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 24. This morning's message is uh, The Lord's Supper. And I want to share six thoughts with you. And, And so you can write those six thoughts down as you feel led. But I want to share six thoughts with you about the Lord's Supper. I would like this to be a teaching message uh, so that all of us understand the significance of the Lord's Supper. Psalm 96 and verse number 9 says this, Oh, worship the Lord uh, in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. And then that brings us to our text there in John chapter 4 and verse 24. The Bible says this, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. My friend, I believe that we've already done that this morning. And I want to thank you for your participation. And so I would like to address this topic of worship through the Lord's Supper. Worship is an important, and it is certainly a challenging subject as I've examined and studied this. Worship is to be performed, so it has uh, one aim, and that is to please God. And we understand that the word worship is a verb, and therefore, since it is a verb, it is an action word. We are to worship. We are called to action. So worship is not associated with passiveness. Um, It's not sitting around. It's not waiting for something to happen. It is our ability to stand up or to sit down and to participate actively in worship. In worship, God is present and we respond in kind. So let's focus this morning's message on our worship through 
the Lord's Supper. Now, the Lord's Supper is variously designated in the New Testament with some different terminology. In the book of Acts, it's referred to as the breaking of bread. In Acts, also, it's referred to to break bread. In the book of Corinthians, it's called the Lord's Table. It's also referred to as the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians, it's referred to as the communion. So all of these terms can be used interchangeably to describe our act of worship when it comes comes to the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a very important action in the life of the church. It is, uh, it is what we refer to as an ordinance of the church. We have been given the command to worship the Lord by being reminded of the significance of the Lord's Supper. So with that in mind, let me share with you six thoughts. I'll be brief on each one of these thoughts, but I think it's important that we have this in our understanding when we participate today. Number one, the Lord's Supper requires discernment. The Lord's Supper requires discernment. This is found in a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen as I read these verses. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine who? Himself. I can't examine you any, any better than the person seated next to you, in front of you, or behind you. But let a man examine himself. And so then, after he has examined himself, let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. But wait a second, there is a caution here. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That word discern or discernment means simply this, to look through. People will use microscopes and telescopes to examine, to get a, 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 clear, a, a clear view of something that seems uh, difficult to see with the naked eye. So the Lord's Supper is intended by God to bring before us uh, in a clear spiritual vision our Savior and His sacrifice. By the way, it's human nature to forget the Greeks used to say this, that time wipes all things out of memory. As if the mind were a writing slate and time were a great big eraser. Memory can play tricks on us uh, if something is not laid out in, in, in a straightforward manner. And, and it doesn't happen very often. At times, facts are only partially remembered. So it is, so it is a command to the church that we be reminded of the significance of the Lord's Supper. And that way it, it can keep uh, our discernment clear and sharp and focus. So what are we to discern? We said the Lord's Supper is a discernment. We're to discern that we are connected to the past of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're to discern that we're connected in the present, understanding that this is a time for us to examine ourselves. We uh, must understand that it helps us to be inspired for hope in the future. Friends, if you know Jesus Christ, there's a promise you're going to see him again. It was because of the Corinthians' immaturity and failing to discern or to look through, as the Greek word means, the Lord's body, that the Apostle Paul had to challenge them and rebuke them that they were to partake worthily. Now, I don't want us to hear that word worthily and think that it's in our own worth. That is not what the Apostle Paul is referring to. The fact of the matter is none of us are worthy 
to partake of the Lord's Supper. But it's an adverb, and it refers to the manner in which it is taken. And the Apostle Paul is saying some of you are not partaking the action, partaking of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. And so there was this warning. The careless and the thoughtless participation in the Lord's table is a failure to discern. Folks, we must discern this morning before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Here's my second thought. The Lord's Supper requires separation. The Lord's Supper requires separation. Again, I go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 21. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. The Lord's Supper reminds us of who we are, but it also reminds us of whose we are. We've been called. We've been chosen in Christ. The Bible says, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. There has been a separation from the world and there's been a reconciliation to God. The Bible goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2 and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby. As we partake in, of the Lord's table. We examine ourselves. No one can judge another's motives. Each must examine himself or herself individually. We must consider our attitudes and our actions when it comes to the partaking of the Lord's uh, 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 table. But I want you to know this, that it's also a call that we look to our own lives for repentance of sin. Is there anything in our life that would hinder us from uh, taking, uh, partaking of the Lord's table in a worthy manner? Paul instructed, you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Sincerity is called for and hypocrisy is to be dispelled, the Apostle Paul is saying. Listen, here's what he said, here's what the Apostle Paul says when it comes to separation. Either you're of this world or you're of God. You can't be both. And so I ask you, as we partake of the Lord's table, has there been a time that you've separated from the world, understanding that the world's values, the world's system, living by the world's standards, will only put me at odds with the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to give his life for me? Here's a third thought this morning. The Lord's Supper requires identification. The Lord's Supper requires identification. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break. It is, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? This means the Lord's Supper is a vital identification with Christ. You know what you, you are saying this morning when that plate comes across and you take that piece of bread and we hold up that piece of bread and we will hear those words uh, to partake of the, uh, uh, of the bread? We are publicly identifying without shame our relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you do that this morning? That I unashamedly can partake of the Lord's table because I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. The vital identification with Christ, it was initiated with uh, what we call another ordinance called baptism. And that is, is that I make that public identification with Christ. Romans chapter 6 says, Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. 
Therefore we are buried with him by the baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. I'm thankful that in Jesus Christ I have a new life. Jesus promised to drink with us in the kingdom in Matthew chapter 26. And so each Lord's Day, there's a fresh and there's a loving encounter with Christ. And that's why it's so important that we're in church, is that we make that connection with Christ. It is a designated place and time when he keeps an appointment with us, that there's been preparation, whether it is through music or giving or fellowship or the preaching of God's word, that you know on Sunday mornings at 1030, it's a designated time when I am going to meet my Lord. And some of our brethren have not learned this, and they missed the Lord's Supper indiscriminately. We've made it no secret that we're going to observe the Lord's uh, table today. And yet some chose, eh, it's not that important. And they decided to do something else that they consider more important than partaking of the Lord's Supper. I say, woe unto that person who indiscriminately dismisses the obligation that we have to be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for us. May I just tell you, the Lord's Supper is not some meaningless habit. It is a public identification that I am not ashamed of Christ. There's a fourth thought. The Lord's Supper requires remembrance. The Lord's Supper requires remembrance. Jesus said this in the book of Luke chapter 22, and I often quote this, this do ye in remembrance of me. We have a challenge before us to remember as we partake in the Lord's Supper. We must discipline our minds and we must control our wondering thoughts. And I understand in the, in the, in the comfortableness of our chairs with the luxury of air conditioning that it is easy for our minds to wander away of what I'm going to do this afternoon or tomorrow or, or some, uh, some chore I have to do or something I want to shop for. May I just pull you back here for a few moments. We must have some discipline to understand that I am, that I have been assigned a task to remember what Jesus has done for me. What are those things that we should remember? Remember his name in Philippians chapter 2, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. We're not only to remember his name, we're to remember his works. Going all the way back to creation. In the beginning, God created. And we're to remember in, first, in Colossians chapter 1, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created for him and by him and he is before all things and by him all things consist and he's the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence I'm to remember this morning his name and his name is what Jesus I am to remember his works creation and redemption I'm to remember his love Ephesians chapter 3 says that he may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm to remember his love. But I'm also this morning to remember this. He arose. 
He arose. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, this prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. I'm to remember that he reigns. Not only did he uh, uh, arise from the dead, but that he reigns in heaven today, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. I'm to remember that he reigns. And then I'm to remember the result. I'm to remember the result. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. My friend, you did not die on the cross. You did not shed your blood. You did not have your life taken away. The result of Jesus doing that is that we have forgiveness of sins. I'm so thankful for that. Number five this morning, the Lord's Supper requires fellowship. The Lord's Supper requires fellowship. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Not only is the Lord's Supper a memorial meal, it is a sharing meal. It requires fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we witness to the unity of the body of Christ. There's no superiors or no inferiors at the Lord's table. Someone has aptly said uh, that the ground is level at the foot of, of the cross. May I just tell you this morning, the Lord's Supper is a call to unity in the church. The bond was so strong in the early church that the Bible says this, that they shared one heart and one mind. And when one suffered, the, the Bible says they all suffered. And when one was weakened, all of them were affected. And when one was strengthened, all of them were built up. I remind you this morning that the Lord's table should prevent all bitterness and backbiting among those who share a place in the body of Christ. May I say that again? The partaking of the Lord's Supper should prevent all bitterness and backbiting among those who share a place in the body of Christ. The Lord's Supper should unify us. It should build a harmony in the body. It should promote a greater love among us. And pettiness is beneath the dignity of those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. May I just remind you that pettiness is beneath the dignity of those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I, I'm here to say, hey, Christian, it's time for us to set aside our pettiness and our issues and come together, be united in a fellowship because of being reminded by the Lord's table. My sixth and final thought this morning is this. The Lord's Supper requires proclamation. The Lord's Supper requires proclamation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till we come. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we preach a powerful sermon. And that is, is that we proclaim the Lord's death and His burial and His resurrection. And what does participation in the Lord's Supper proclaim? It proclaims some vital facts about the gospel. It proclaims vital facts about the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein 
wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. My friend, I'm here to proclaim to you the wonderful story of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And if you're visiting with us or you're a regular attender and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I say to you this morning, the greatest decision that you could ever make in the entirety of your life is what will I do with Jesus? Will I believe in him? Will I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior? Uh, not only does it proclaim the gospel, but I say this morning it proclaims God's love. Romans 5 and verse 8 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while Brent was yet a sinner, Christ died for Brent. And you can put your name in there, but God commendeth his love toward, and you put your name in there. And the fact of the matter is it is a personal individual and the, and the Lord's Supper proclaims and it requires a proclamation of the gospel message. It requires a proclamation of God's love. It affirms that faith is alive and well. And it testifies this, when I partake of the Lord's Supper, Jesus is not dead, he's alive. Think about that. Why would we partake of the Lord's Supper if Jesus was dead in the, in the tomb? The fact that I willingly partake in the Lord's Supper, it loudly screams, my Jesus is alive. It proclaims that he's coming again. And if we were to read John chapter 14 this morning, the Bible gives us a litany of what Jesus has done as he's gone back into heaven. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. The fact is that Jesus did leave this earth and heaven has been prepared for you during these past 2,000 years. But I say the Lord's Supper is also a proclamation in the fact that judgment is coming. Judgment is is coming. In Acts chapter 17, the Bible says, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. I'm here to say that the person who does not believe in the story of Jesus Christ will be judged. And so we might come and we might say, I don't want to partake of the Lord's table today. You know what? I think there would be a, a greater, uh, there'd be a greater sense of pride, dignity, if I just abstained. May I just remind you of what we just read in Acts chapter 17. But now commandeth all men, all women everywhere, to repent. The great essentials of the gospel are preserved in this memorial that we will observe here shortly. And that is, is that Jesus Christ, he came, he gave his life. And you, as a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a teenage boy, a teenage girl, you have an inerrant responsibility. And that is, what will I do with the gospel message? If I choose to ignore it, if I choose to not partake, if I choose, ah, it doesn't matter if I have sin in my life, I will partake unworthily. And the Bible even goes on to say that the Apostle Paul said that there are many among you that are sickly and have died for the disgrace that you have shown, for the disgrace 
that you have had when it comes to the Lord's table. My friend, Easter is next week, and we will rejoice. We already have a message that we're looking forward to for next week. Our choir has been preparing. Our children have been preparing. Next Sunday is going to be a great day when we celebrate a risen Savior. But today, at this very moment, we still celebrate a risen Savior. And we're going to partake of the Lord's table. And for those who are visiting with us, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I beg you that even in this moment of time, that you would believe on him. How do I do that? The Bible simply says that if thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's an act of faith. I don't have to do anything. I just believe that he is the one who can forgive me my sins. I am a sinner. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. And so right where you are, you could trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. For the Christians... We're also going to give you a time while the elements are being distributed for you to use that time worthily. It's not a time to be checking your phone. It's not a time to be whispering to your neighbor. It's not a time for you, your mind to be wandering off about things that you need to do. Really, it's a time for you to do what Paul said, examine yourself. God in heaven, if there's something be between me and you, would you just reveal it to me? If there's a situation I need to handle, God, help with you being my helper. I'll go talk to that person. I'll rectify that situation. God in heaven, um, whatever is, if there's unconfessed sin, I confess it to you. Lord, if there's some known sin, I, I acknowledge that sin and I confess it. Folks, when we're distributing the elements, if you have not already done so heretofore, now's the time to make sure your life is right before the Lord. God helping me, I want to serve you. I want to love you. And then when you partake, you are doing these six things. Can you do that this morning? It's required. It's required of the church that we do this. And so I'm asking you, would you stop and have a quiet time? Father, I thank you.